Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. What do you think about a sex addict being a sponsor when they have not completed the steps? They are 24 months from full disclosure and still on step six themselves. Is it wrong to tell them they must do right by sponsee and stay ahead and complete 12 steps practice with what they preach? Is it wrong to point out that a stranger would motivate him to complete the steps where desire for his own self-recovery or show want to repair the relationship did not? Um, well, you know, either one of us could easily answer that question. So why don't you start, Tammy, with your 12th perspective and I'll go on with my 12-step perspective. So what I'm kind of wondering about is um, wh- who are you to this? Is Are you the, the addict or are you the betrayed partner? But so here's where I'm taking it, though. Um, it, 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 right or wrong, like it's not, I mean, is it helpful at the end of the day? Um, when we look for a sponsor, I, I, I want somebody who is ahead of me in the steps, um, knows what they're guiding me through, has solid information. If you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it. So it's one of those where you look for somebody that has what you want rather than, you know, is just going to go, sure, you don't need to say that. Oh, you don't need to, don't press yourself for that. So, so it really is, it's more about, you know, what I'm looking for. And if I'm looking for really doing the steps, really having freedom from, my addictive behaviors, I'm going to look for the best sponsor I can find to help me help guide me through the process. So, so telling somebody else, they typically are not, um, they don't, they don't care to hear the message. So, um, it's more about, you know, is this person getting what they need to be able to move forward in recovery? Well said, Tammy. Um, let me see what I can add. So there, I think there's a number of questions in here or comments. There's a little bit of energy in here, as you will. So, and then the person, I don't know if you saw them, they chatted that they are a spouse. So, um, no, I didn't see the chat. So yeah. 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 So I'm going to walk a delicate balance, but also be responsible to the 12 step beliefs that I hold. Um, I don't think it's anyone else's job to tell me how to run my program, whether I should work on my first step, my fifth step, whether I should sponsor or not, that is not my that is not your job. That is not my spouse's job. I don't care how angry, how disappointed, how much they want to. Am I going to meetings? I think that's important for you to know. How often do I go? You should know that because those things will reassure you within our relationship that I am working on it. But how far along I am, what I'm doing there, did I choose a sponsor? Would someone else sponsor me? Honestly, I wouldn't say those things to my spouse because I can I really think what happens in the meetings is about what happens in the meetings. Um, To technically answer your question, I want to agree with Tammy, which is I just need to find someone who's further along than me. And if someone's been there a week and they've stopped cheating on their wife, then they're further along than I am. So there really is no uh, rule, if you will, on you have to finish the steps in order to sponsor someone. Now, that being said, 24 months from full disclosure, and this person is still on step six. So that's not your 
issue to deal with because it's not a spouse's job or a friend's job or even a therapist's job to say, you need to be doing this in your program. We need to tell you to go and it's important that you're involved and we want you to be active in the process. But as I said, what we're doing in there with the folks we're working with is really our thing. However, it concerns me greatly that this person doesn't seem to be doing what they should be doing. And so I separate out, um, I am concerned about the lack of work going on here. I am also concerned that somehow a spouse is involved in what somebody is doing in their 12-step program. And I don't think that you need to be in any particular place other than involved and engaged and a little bit further along than the person you're helping in order to sponsor them. And by the way, I would say to all of you that sponsorship is a, is service and doing service while it is in the steps and further along, doing service is only going to make me feel like a better person. As long as I'm not lying or pretending I know things that I don't know, doing service, you know, giving something to other people is always going to make me feel better than it does them. So if this is someone who's willing to help someone out, I mean, sponsor means answer the phone, help with questions, guide them through their steps. If they, this person is uh, willing to do that or your spouse is willing to do that for someone else, I think that's a gift. Um, so I would say stay out of his program, ask him about other things, <laughs> but what step he's on and what he's doing there is really his business. Um, do, you want to, uh, do you want to read the next question, Tammy, or are you back? back? Go ahead and you read it. I need to handle a little situation and then I'll be back. So, so okay, if you please read Tammy it, does. I put it in answer. She answers, she handles situations. That's what Tammy does. So um, I think a gentleman wrote, I'm a male addict in recovery with a full seven day a week schedule, including psychoeducation, podcasts, couples podcasts, webinars, therapy with a CSET and groups. By the way, I didn't hear 12 step groups, so I don't know what groups are. I recently came across and heard about DBT. I asked my therapist and they said they can start that with me in the next few weeks. What exactly will this entail and what are the ins and outs and goals to expect with DBT? Are there particular areas that I myself should focus and steer toward? Okay, I'm going to uh, give an answer that, um, that I So let me back up. A lot of times therapists will call me and they'll say, can you tell me more about DBT? I'm thinking about working with that with an addict. And I will say, gee, I don't know much about that, but go online and Google DBT and addiction, and you will find endless articles, endless books. So I would say go online and look, and you will find so much more information. I'm not a DBT therapist, and I, and that's not the format that we use um, in our treatment, although it's interesting. I talked to a gentleman. We've been so busy. I wanted to bring on another therapist, and he does a lot of DBT. Um, DBT is, is uh, I, I suggest you look it up. It's more complicated than I can really talk about, but the process is useful to addiction. What I like about what this therapist said to you is they may be able to start that in a few weeks. And what they're telling me is you have some basic things to do around recovery and you know whatever it is you need to do to clean up the mess you're in right now before he can really go on to DBT. So I appreciate that he's not like, let's start with that. But I think it is a reasonable way of working with addicts. I, I don't think it's uh, out of uh, what many people do. It's just not a particular form that I work with. Um, and I would want to make sure, by the way, that the groups you're going to are 12-step. Not that going to a therapy group is a bad thing, but I want to make sure you're going to meetings um, because there is nothing else like being around those people like us. Um, okay, I'm going to go on to the next question. I, I'm back. So Okay. I see. So oh. is, is there a specific order for recovery or 
Is it all handled at once when there are multiple addictions, sex, porn, food, et cetera, multiple disorders, OCD, CPTSD, anxiety, et cetera, and trauma from severe forms of abuse, physical, sexual, emotional? Well, first, I want to say I'm so, so sorry that all of that has happened to any human being. Um, both struggling addiction is hard enough. Having mental health issues is hard enough when you add abuse to that. I'm always can't believe people can walk and talk and chew gum at the same time after been through all of that. Um, I can say one thing that is definitive, which is if, if there is a substance abuse, if someone's using drugs or drinking, all bets are off for working on trauma, all bets are off on working for, on sexual issues because you have to have a certain degree of impulse control. You need to be able to say no. Uh, I'm not going to go eat that food. No, I'm not going to go to that strip club. No. So all the behavioral addictions require your head being clear enough. You know, I don't, I don't drink, but if I, I remember drinking and if I had a few drinks, well, I can remember saying, I'm not going to do that tonight. And a few drinks later, I'd be like, you know what, let's go do that tonight. And so my ability to make other choices than go do my addiction is impaired by drugs and alcohol. And that means I have to handle those first or at the same time. Um, these are difficult questions because um, the, if your goal is to stop acting out, all of these issues, whether it's looking at past trauma or dealing with mental health issues, can trigger your anxiety, your stress level, and lead right back to acting out. So I, the question you're asking, I think, is really best handled with a professional who knows you really well, because, you know, which next step you take really is often best determined by somebody who knows what they're doing. And by the way, Tammy often makes referrals. Um, we don't get kickbacks, but we know good therapists pretty much around the country because we've both been all over the country working with people, teaching them. So it is Tammy, T-A-M-I, at Seeking Integrity. Dot com. Um, she's glad or we're glad to refer you someone who might be able to manage all of this. Um, let me say one more thing, which is there are people who are unable to stay sober on drugs and alcohol and then look at sex or who work on trauma and they end up drinking again. Or And there are some people who simply need to be in residential treatment. And this is one of those reasons. Um, this is a not unusual for us to get somebody in treatment who has enough issues going on out there that they can't, they start working on one and the other one pops up and then they start working on that and they get overwhelmed by this. And they may need to be in a safer environment where they can work on all of it, but not have the sex and the drugs and the gambling all available to them. And so it's people who have addictions that are real closely tied to trauma or mental health issues, and they all kind of reinforce each other. That That is often a case that I think will do well in residential um, treatment. Um, and I would certainly want to be involved with a psychiatrist in these, this circumstance. So hopefully, that, Tammy, did you want to add anything? Well, I just, like with that level of complexity, you being in a safe place, which residential treatment to, to be able to safely cocoon you and unpack all of this. And, and for some people, the, you know, the mental health issues are, um, are more severe first and, and then addressing the, the addiction issues. Sometimes, you know, stopping the drinking or 
chemicals is absolutely imperative too. But, but to me, this is like one, when somebody reaches out and starts talking about this kind of, uh, you know, I really hope that, that we can help them find a good fit for a residential program to address all of those things. Like Dr. Rob said, you know, a psychiatrist, particularly someone who has the addiction background and, you know, so they're able to unpack what is addiction, you know, because the anxiety, I mean, there's some stuff that just plain goes with addiction and stopping and everything else too. So, you know, so understanding all of that and uh, helping regulate, you know, as will be effective, but not interfere with the ability to get into recovery. So, so hopefully that's helpful. Do reach out to me if I can be of help. So, okay. So next one, how often do you suggest an addict attend 12-step meetings? My SAPA husband of 18 years is in once a week therapy, attends a 12-step meeting once a week, and I don't feel like that's enough. One to bend for me, so. Well, uh, so there's mixed things here, right, Tammy? I mean, one yes. thing to say, as we said before, is um, you can't tell him what he needs to do. You can't say you need to be in three meetings a week. What you can say is I would feel a lot more comfortable if you were doing these things, because the minute you stick that finger out and you say, do this, the, you know, the, the thing I want to think about is no, and I don't care what you say. Um, but if you tell me how you feel, you know, I don't feel safe uh, with you're not going to more meetings and I would feel much better if you were, I think then it's, do they respect you? Are they willing to support you rather than they, they got to do what you tell them, so to speak. But as far as once, so if it were me, no, um, I, I can see going to therapy once a week, but it also depends by the way, um, SAP, I would wonder how long, how long this person has been working on it too. Because if I, I have to tell you, I spent many, many years in meetings and I don't go as often as I did at all, the way I used to, you know, I used to go to three or four meetings a week because I had to now, not so much because I think my life has in many ways moved on. Although certainly those thoughts are in my head and I still need to get that support. So, you know, if he's been going to meetings for eight years, um, okay, this person just jumped and said seven months sober, three meetings a week. <laughs> Minimum. Minimum. And here's, here's what I'm reading. I'm like, my husband of 18 years has been acting out sex and porn. Um, and he is trying in a 15 minute session once a week and a 12 step meeting. And, and I know this was a snippet, but I don't hear, and he's talking to his sponsor every day and he's been working the steps and he's on step, you know, 12 or on wherever he is in the process. You know, I don't hear any of that. And just parking your tush in a meeting once a week <laughs> is not going to be, I went you know, I went to 10 meetings a week because I had time and like all of the time that he's not acting out with uh, uh, or thinking about acting out, planning, acting out that, you know, like time is a, uh, is a problem for us and engaging in healthy activities. I often say, if you use as much energy on your recovery as you did on your acting out, you are going to do great. And I bet he spent more than you know, an hour and 50 minutes every week thinking about planning or whatever, um, you know, in his active addiction. The other thing is here's, you know, not to be punitive or whatever. I love what Dr. Rob was saying about, you know, for my safety, I want to see more. I want to see, but, but from an addict standpoint, you know, you, you don't have the tools to use 
to live life differently. Dr. Rob and I have done our work. We can live life differently. I don't need to be in 10 meetings a week anymore. I don't skip meetings. Either. And if she it's, did, I yeah. couldn't tell her that just to say yeah. it's her Correct. program. <laughs> but yeah. And if I was feeling like I need more support, I would go to 10 meetings a week. I, you know, like it, it, but I gained all the skills to live life differently, you know, by doing the work that I did, I've laid a foundation. Dr. Rob has too. So we have a reservoirs to draw on and we go, Oh, we need a little bit more. So we lean in or we just, I mean, I go to meetings just cause I like to go to meetings now too. It's like, you know, I always gain something. So, so he's not got the freedom from, the promises do come true, but we have to do the work. And he doesn't have that yet. He's probably just more or less not acting out, which, you know, is a reward of itself. But you don't have the freedom, the serenity, the peace. He doesn't have a partner who's going like, you know, oh, phew, I can feel that he's really changing. And I would invite him for his own serenity to engage more deeply in the process. I love when we say that, Tammy, I'd invite them, which means you better go F and do it or you're going to have yeah. to save your life. But, you know, we, we I still balk. No, I still balk at the, if I get told what to do, I, I, I still know that my first reaction is going to be dig my heels in, you know, even no. if it's good for me. Yeah. I would rather have it be, you know, you have a choice in this, you know, like you, you can be miserable. I, you know, it's up to you. You can be right. miserable and rotten, or you can have serenity and peace. I'll be think I'll take serenity and peace. Thank you very or much. Or maybe it won't work for you. It worked for me, but it's not my yeah, job. To exactly. Tell you what to do. Yeah. I think that the founders of the, we're older, brilliant we have- in, the, you know, if you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, you don't, you don't have to do this, you know? So, okay. Ready for the next one. And we are older. My spouse of over 10 years left a few months ago, continues to act out um, as we are separated. I'd like an answer as to if we can get divorced or if he'd like to work on our marriage, he's not ready to make a decision. Does this mean it's time for me to move on with my life? I love him and built my life and dreams around him, but I also want to be safe and keep my uh, little children safe. Well, I, I, I stop with little children. I mean, that just, you know, that's when I think about not only the choices that you're making for yourself, but how are your kids going to experience, uh, a dad who comes and goes, how are they going to experience a dad who is leaving you feeling vulnerable and unsafe? Um, so that's just where my head went is what are they experiencing? What are they seeing? What's it like in that house when he's there, when he isn't there, you know, when things are going well, when they're not, because they see everything, they see everything. And we know because we see them 15 years later in treatment. Um, but, um, and I'm, by the way, I'm very, very sorry for your situation. I don't think what I feel like is someone is holding hostage you're being held hostage to someone else's decisions. And I would I don't like being in that. And so I guess what I would ask you to do is to find your own power in this. Um, is it time for you to move on with your life? I don't know. What is it acceptable for you that this person left and that they're still acting out and that they're not sure if they want to stay or not? Forget about whether they're going to get divorced or not. What makes you, what makes sense to you? What feels right? I'm not saying, you know, don't love, don't dream. You know, I love people who've passed away and I adore them and we had dreams together, but they're not here anymore. 
And sometimes people go in and out of your life. You know, I've met, uh, we've had a lot of people at Seeking Integrity, a lot of men who realized or their spouse did that they just wanted to co-parent, that they were much better friends when he could do what he wanted and she didn't have to worry about it, but together they could take, really love those children. So, um, and again, he's not ready to make a decision. What do you want? Do you want to sit around and wait? Again, Tammy and I said, no judgment. Or do you want to take, but, but it will produce more anxiety and discomfort because you're putting your life in someone else's hands and letting them make decisions. Or are you saying, I want to wait six months, or I would like to get a lawyer and see what it looks like, but I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, or I don't want you coming. You know, you, there are many things you can do between divorce and where you are. You could do a formal separation. You know, you could divide out your money. I mean, it's not unusual for us to work with a spouse who says, I'm not sure whether I want to be with you or not, but I'm going to do a formal separation. So my finances and everything is in order. And I hope that we're able to go forward. I don't know. So I would ask you to do what feels safe for you. And as Tammy would say, to protect those kitties. And, uh, and then, you know, it doesn't matter so much what he wants. What matters is what you want. And if what you want isn't available or you can't have it, then you grieve. That's what we do. Um, but you can't make him into someone that he's not, and you can't fit your life into a situation where everything's, and it's not just you who's on hold. Your kids are on hold. You know, maybe they could be in a much better set of service. Anyway, I got it. I, I think you need to find your own heart and soul in this as a mother and as a woman. Um, and that has nothing to do with him. So, Tammy, as a woman, you might have a different perspective. So, please, let me toss it to you. I'm going to be a little more, um, uh, I, I, if you haven't talked to a divorce attorney, please do so. I just get the information. Whether you choose to act on it or not, you do. You you have got to protect you and your children. So, so I strongly encourage you, knowledge is power. Make sure you understand what it looks like. Because I think so many people... Um, you know, are going like, well, I don't want to do it because it's going to be this, and but you don't know. And so every state is different. Every situation is different. So just understanding what it's going to really look like. We have a lot of clients that come to treatment because their spouse has said, I can't keep living in this space. And so, you know, I, I want to co-parent with you. I, I, you know, I ultimately envision a, a relationship with you, but this is not safe for me, for our children right now. So our choices are we separate, we get a divorce, whatever you choose, or you go get help. And I'm willing to stick around for a period of time while you get help and see what that looks like. Again, not saying that's right for you. That may be, that may not be, um, but you getting support. I'm so glad you're here. You know, hopefully you're leaning into the betrayed partner groups that are on sex and relationship as well. So that you're getting support. I, uh, I, I did a, a grieving webinar series with Debbie McRae the last two Fridays. And, and we talked about, you know, you, you know, when, you know, and I think it really is when, when your head, like, like you can have head knowledge, but it hasn't gone to your heart. Like you're still going, you know, I want good things for him and things like that. But, you know, at some point, sometimes it goes from my head to my heart. And I know, you know, it's like, then you're able to really discern, but getting support and guidance, you know, looking at pros and cons, understanding all aspects of it so that you're making a decision and not reacting, I think will serve you well. So can I add one thing, Tammy? Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't, um, this concrete information, he left a few months ago, he continues to act out. 
do you want to live with that person? Do you want to live with someone who would, would rather move out and do what they're continuing to do? They're not moving out to get themselves together. You know, they're moving out to do what they want to do without you hassling them. And maybe they're moving out because something's going on out there that they want to pursue. My bottom line is that this person is acting like an active addict and leaving you in the dark. And so I know if I expect an addict, what I expect of an addict is they're going to do what's best for them. They're going to, if they can put me off so they can decide this person, that person, this situation, that they'll do it forever. And so that's what I think we're saying about you have to take control of your own life back, even if it hurts, because you can't be led around by the nose. You've already been led around by the nose by this person who's acting out and lying to you. It's really a matter of even if it hurts, you have to take your life back, whatever that means to you. And I ultimately hope he gets help because he can't be the best dad to those kiddos as Dr. He can't, you know, he can't be, you know, um, but, and they deserve, you know, they deserve, but they've got you and, you know, you will love them. They will be fine. They won't, you know, it isn't automatic that everybody turns into an addict where they don't, they have loving, caring, nurturing, you know, support that they can be very fine. So, okay. Next question. What are some reasons why one would fantasize about having sex with strangers? Oh my goodness. That's a loaded question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, well, I'd be curious whether they're talking about a man or a woman, um, because I think people have different fan in part gender does influence the kinds of fantasies we have and, and how often we have them and all that kind of stuff. Um, I fantasize about both is, but here's the thing. Uh, I think that, I think that there, that most people <laughs> fantasize about having sex with strangers all the time and you know, Oh, that person's cute. I wonder what that would be like. It doesn't have to be a, a full on fantasy all the way to, you know, doing the act, simply looking at someone and saying, Oh, they got a cute butt as a healthy person, not as an addict, you know, might flash through their head. I wonder what it would be like to have sex with them. I don't think that's unusual or unhealthy. Now, what we do is we pursue them. We try to get their number. We think, oh, I want to go do that. I'll find someone else to do it with. You know, we, we do all kinds of things with that fantasy. But the fact is people have all kinds of fantasies. What do they do? That's what I'm interested in. You know, I, I, I think, and Tammy, I had this discussion, and I want you guys to hear this. For those of you who know what a bottom line or an inner circle is for our addicts, um, the, the bottom line or the inner circle means these are the things that mean I had a slip. I have broken my commitment in my sexual sobriety. So it would be like as an alcoholic, I drank, or as a gambling addict, I went to the casino. Some folks, some spouses will say, well, I want you to put lying, for example, in the middle of that circle, because if you lie, you're acting out. I will say that while I would never want you to be lied to, and it is a big warning sign for us if we are lying to you, it's not the same as us going to have sex with strangers. It's not the same as the alcoholic having a drink. And if we can't have the grace to do it imperfectly, as long as we're staying sober, then you don't want to put things in that bottom line that people do, you know, and I might lie to Tammy about how weird her eyes looked the other day when they were doing surgery, but it doesn't mean I'm going to give up my sober time. And so in the same way, you know, no one can control their fantasies. That is, you know, and boy, the way, the more you try, the more you'll have. So um, I wouldn't judge someone on what goes through their head um, or myself. I, I am curious what people's actions are. 
And, you know, have they ever acted on that? Have they, have someone I care about ever acted on that? Have I ever acted on that? Um, because there are lots of reasons why people, people have all kinds of fantasies and I don't judge them unless they're acting out in a way that hurts them or others. So I want to, I want to ask you a question to elaborate on, cause you said people can't control their fantasies. And I think That's you true. can start having a fantasy and then you can do something to, so, so can you talk yes. about that? Because like just going, well, I can't control it and spending two hours fantasizing. Well, I can, they say in all, almost all the 12, pro, 12 step programs, if you think you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, take an opposite action. So, you know, if I don't think it's a good idea for me to be fantasizing about someone, first of all, the first sign is I'm going to notice that I'm fantasizing, right? Or that I really want to. So that's what I meant is I can't take, I see someone on the street, I find them attractive, I have a fantasy. I, I don't think there's much I can do about that. But what do I do with it? Do I uh, make sure I walk for a while and don't go back to the office because when I'm back to the office, I look at porn. Do I pick up the phone and call somebody I, I'm in recovery with, you know, especially if I have a history of going after this kind of behavior. So, you know, we have this thing called the three, uh, the three uh, second rule, which is, you know, I look for a moment, I look away, and then I, you know, I think of them as one of God's creatures or as a mother or as a child. So, you know, there are actions, I think, Tammy, that's what you meant, that you can take once the fantasy occurs. But the fact that we have fantasies, you know, and I've heard people say that, like, I got to get rid of those fantasies. You know, that's like saying I want to get rid of one of chocolate chip cookies when I'm looking at them. I'm, I'm always going to want to eat chocolate chip cookies. I can't get rid of that desire, but I don't have to eat them. So was that an okay metaphor? Yeah, no, that, that, that helped. I want to talk one more thing about this before we leave this, because we did have a long conversation, but the, the lying and, um, you know, partners are going, but the lying is what, you know, I hate and, and it just hurts my relationship so badly. So, you know, how, you know, if, if we say it's not in the inner circle, it's in the middle circle, you know, then we're not resetting a sobriety date, but, but how do we, how do we help partners kind of mentally get there with, you know, yes, it's a problem, but is it, it's not a behavior. How do we help well, with that? I think the issue is control, really. It's one thing to say, you know, I feel uncomfortable when you do this. I feel more comfortable when you do that. But I think it's not unusual for a spouse who loves someone to say, I'm going to try to take charge of what they think, where they go, what they do, how they do it, because I'll feel safer and maybe we'll have a future. And trying to become someone's parole officer is not going to lead to a loving relationship. They're just going to resent you. And so there are many, you know, we have to give our expectations, but you can't make them happen. You know, it's like the person who said, I don't feel comfortable with this person not working on their seventh step or whatever. You can say, I'd feel more comfortable if you were working on the steps more regularly, but you can't make them do it. Um, and that is what I make my decisions on, not what they say, but what they do. I do want to say something about lying. We have another rule, which is, depending on the person, it's a 24 or 48-hour rule. I will often say to clients, I know you're going to lie to me. You're probably lying to me today. But next time when you come in, I want you to tell me that you lied. And so, and I don't care if you lied, but I want to know that you did. And I say to the same, you know, some of us look at your angry face and we just lie. <laughs> I can't say it another way. You know, we're 50 years old and we've always lied and we, we have trouble with that angry face. And we, the first thing is we lie. And my thought is, fine, you lie, but within by the end of that day or within 24 hours, you need to go back to your partner and say, look, I, I wasn't, I, I was afraid to be honest with you. I'm so sorry. And this is the truth. Um, if they're acting out, they need to tell you sooner. 
But if they lie about, you know, having spent money on something and they tell you later, I think that's sort of within the bound. None of us is going to do it perfectly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.